A warm welcome to Questions Worth Asking, a podcast where we capture and translate wisdom from multiple disciplines in order to fuel the next generation of changemakers. Hello, so this is Questions Worth Asking. This is season three. And if you are a regular listener, you will have heard episode seven, where John has just done some work on privilege, particularly around uh, race and gender. Um, held beautifully by Paul and we stopped pressing record so we kind of hit stop and then we entered into a massive conversation about what it felt like to be part of that conversation what it felt like to hold that conversation and for me that was listening what it felt like to listen so rather than have that as a separate piece of work we're kind of turning this into a part one and part b and just going to unpack a little bit um, around the question, um, what does it take to have conversations around these things? What does it take to have conversations around white privilege or gender privilege? So we've got Paul, uh, who's kindly staying with us for this episode, and we've obviously got John. Um, so let me start, I guess, by just for a few minutes talking about what it felt like to to have that conversation between the two of you. And Paul, I particularly want to highlight because this won't be obvious to our listeners that you had that conversation as a, as a black man and obviously John had that conversation as a as a white man so how was it how how did how did holding that space feel for you Paul so for me uh, a number of things going on one of the things I guess is I know John reasonably well and so there's a there's a familiarity that we have that means that some things that I might make more, that I would normally make more explicit in a, in a coaching conversation, I didn't make as explicit because John knows I'm a black man. Mm-hmm. And, and so one of the things for me about coaching in this space is clearly there are the spaces that we go into and the conversations that we have when one is exploring whether it's white privilege or gender privilege. So the questions of themselves and the topic. But there's also how we use ourselves in having the conversation. The thing you didn't hear me say, which I would normally say, are things like, well, you know, John, as a black man asking you this question, this is what I think. My framing of this as a black man, John, might be different to how you um, so, so, so for me, there was something about not being as explicit in bringing what we we call the dynamics of difference explicitly bringing that into the conversation, which I think maybe our listeners would have would have benefited from. That that was one thing that stood out for me, and then I think a second thing that stood out for me was that the difficulty that even John for all of the work that he's done on self, mm. the difficulty that he had in actually stepping into the shoes of a black man. If John finds that challenging, how much more difficult would it be for the average white man or white woman who has had, who hasn't had that same training and work on self that John has had, who has few, if any, meaningful relationships with black individuals. 
how much more difficult would it be for them? And if it is that difficult, how do we make change happen, whether as an individual or an organizational level, if we if we can't see things from somebody else's perspective, if we can't feel what somebody else is feeling? So two things to get us going, Priya. And John, for you, like I, I want to highlight what I said in the recording. Like I know how much work you put into doing this type of work, you know, for yourself personally, for your own professional development, but for your personal value set, I know how committed you are and that takes an awful lot of bravery. Um, how was um, it for you holding this space or being in this space? I was getting more and more sweaty <laughs> as it was going. And that's, I think, where that final comment about, I, you know, of course, knew we were recording a podcast before we hit record, and as even as I woke up this morning, because we're recording in the morning here, um, sort of accepting myself, forgiving myself, and saying, this is going to be Paul and John having a chat. It happens to be recorded. Removing any worry, concern of how I'm going to look, or how I'm going to feel, or am I going to be good enough, or, you know, all that kind of just saying, nope, I'm going to be in conversation, and close my eyes, and forget the recording, and and frankly wish that, you know, Paul and I were back in a, a same physical room together having this chat. So, yeah, it, it was real. It was a real Paul and John conversation that happened to be captured. That's how it felt. And every conversation is complex and dynamic. As much as I was in and speaking from the heart, my sense is there would have been even more that I could have given. And I don't, I don't quite know what that is, but... What does this teach us or what have we learned about having these types of conversations? Because, you know, the, the, the factual truth is we're living through the pandemic. We're living through easing of lockdown restrictions. We're living through, you know, a whole global energy movement around Black Lives Matter. You know, this is a very topical, relevant conversation to the times that we're living in right now. What are some of our learnings around what it takes to have these conversations? Because exactly as as Paul said, John, you're a you know a skilled, proficient, you know person that works in this space. You know, the, if you're struggling with some of it, which I you know have a lot of love for, how do we how do we expand other people's ability to enter into this space? Because it's scary, right? Like it's it's there is worry about getting it wrong. There is worry about being insensitive. There is worry about saying the, the, the wrong things. But that worry seems to be causing inaction. It's like para, it's, para, it's paralyzing people. So how do, we, how do we inspire? How do we provoke? How do we get more people to do this work is kind of what I'm sitting with. And, and I'm holding the question, what have we learned about what it takes to have this type of conversation? A friend of mine was, um, was on another podcast actually and I think when asked a similar kind of question to this her response was if if somebody we knew was was horribly raped would we go and read a book about rape or would we just try and comfort them support them however delicate or sensitive we might need to be we would just do it 
Because at a fundamental level, one would like to believe that there is a basic humanity that we all have. And so where you have people that are experiencing trauma, which is what is happening at the moment for black individuals across the world, why is it so difficult to reach in just to that basic humanity to reach out and even ask the question, how are you? That doesn't need to be politicized. It doesn't need to be anything other than a basic human way of being to say when we see someone that is in pain to reach out. And so, you know, to answer your your, your question, Priya, just do it. <laughs> just do it. Racism means that there are all these barriers that we've built up that we put in the way of our humanity. That's the essence of racism is to dehumanize people. Reclaim your humanity and just have the conversation in all its messiness, because that's the only way that we can progress. Paul, I love that. Just do it. I love it. Just do it. Just go. If you're listening, just go and check in. If you have no one to check in with, then ask yourself some different sorts of questions. Why exactly. is it that you have nobody mm -hmm. to check in with? Mm -hmm. um, I love that. John, for you, is there anything that you could add from your learning? And, I, and I'm particularly going back to you 20 years ago, because there's lots of people that we're listening that won't have even started this work. You know, what, what could someone do as a first step to getting into this sort of self-awareness for looking at their own privilege? Is there any kind of words of wisdom that you'd have to share? I'll just do it. It's, it's great, too. Uh, where my mind goes is something about superficial conversations or transactional conversations, having to start somewhere. So we've got options of, yep, diving straight into a tough question, a messy question. What's your experience of being a black man? Or me asking my white friends, what is your experience of being a white man or white woman or white person? Diving into a, you know, a less transactional conversation. And, and I guess for, I'm thinking for me and you, Priya, and me and you, Paul, we've had all these experiences, right? So we've, we've built connection and friendship and been messy before and been through things before. And so I don't have the answer. I have the same question of like, how did we do that? We were privileged and lucky to be in like training courses and in environments to sit and talk to each other. I'm trying to think for 20 years ago in that IT shop, well, we, we happened to have a job together and we had tasks to do, and yet we also sat and had meetings together that may or may not have been task-related. Having all different kinds of conversations and sometimes simple ones to build friendship and say hello and then sometimes difficult ones to build friendship and say hello mm. one for me just to build on to that is um from my own personal experience i'm an asian woman i refer to myself as brown i'm indian heritage but born in the uk yeah so what i what i'd like to add is two things one is that the experience of being black and the experience of being black brown there are some similarities but there are also some differences so if you're sitting there and you're Asian, Indian, South Indian, however you want to describe it. There's or Chinese, whatever you are. There, you know, it's it's not just an automatic default that you are not racist or you don't have your own race work to do. Um, so that's a really important point for me. 
And the, and the second one, and this is my personal learning for me entering into this space and doing this work. I ran diversity strategies for, you know, a big company when I was in corporate. And honestly, it, you know, <laughs> really honestly, I don't think I really invested in those strategies in the same way that I do now because I hadn't done my own work. So I think that before you become an ally, before you try and wear the T-shirt, you know, go on the marches, you know, do the work of being an ally, I think it's really important that you understand your own privilege. And if you can't look yourself in the mirror and do that work, I think it inhibits your ability to be a good ally. Um, and I, I, I know that's true of me. I know it's true of people that I have coached and I think it's really important if you want to do this work it does start with a bit of a look in the mirror as well as having conversations with people it does require some bravery it does require some self-awareness and it requires some basic curiosity about yourself and the privileges that you enjoy Um, and some of that is uncomfortable and it's that willingness to be slightly uncomfortable that will see you become a much better ally um, in the future. So that would be my personal learning about what it takes to to do this work. And just building on that point, Priya, it's it it's everybody should be doing this work. I totally yeah. agree. Everybody, you know, like you, I'm in the diversity and inclusion space, and I would say diversity and inclusion has failed. It has failed. And in part, I think it's failed because the journey has been one of niceness, mm. of softness. You know, our goal is to be included and have a sense of belonging. We have unconscious biases, which takes away our responsibility for our behaviours. Inclusion has failed. One way I know it's failed is that you look at so many corporates that have been sending out statements um, since um, the death and murder of George Floyd and, and, and the Black Lives Matter movement, how many of those corporate leaders actually wrote their communications themselves? How many of them required somebody else to write it for them? If right at the top you don't have the ability to put out a simple message, then include diversity and inclusion has failed. And it's failed, I believe, because we don't do the work on self that is required to change, to rewire our brains, to change our mindsets, to change our behaviours. We don't do that work. We don't do. We we just don't do it. And, and that, Paul, is exactly my point. Don't try mm-hmm. and be an ally until you have done your work. Until you've looked in the mirror, it's. You know, it's it's so important. You know, it it really is so so important. And I think I don't know if diversity and inclusion has failed. I I hear what you've said. I've I've seen it make a positive impact in some places. It's just not done enough. And I think I agree with you. The reason it hasn't done enough is because we've thought it's about including somebody else. It's it's a benefit to other people, as opposed to understanding that it's actually for all of us. But to to be for all of us, you have to do your own work. And I think what John highlighted is a really 
you know skilled and and brave way of doing that work but if you're sitting there really early on having never done it there's still space for you you know it's it's what we've said it's just do it be prepared to be messy you won't get it right all the time forgive yourself go and have these conversations because that's what's needed right now that's what's really really important i think we're gonna have to leave the conversation here um, I think we could, the three of us could spend a lot more time talking on it. Is there any any final points that anybody wants to make for us to finish this unit of work? Just a big thank you, as always, and uh, your, both of your willingness to take this time and have these conversations and work with yourself and work with me. Just amazing. Love it. Thank you. Paul? Echoing John, just, you know, thank you for uh, for the chance to uh, to have the conversation and to hopefully use the conversation to kickstart change where it needs to be kickstarted to give a bit of direction where direction is required uh, and above all to to get people to to do something thank you to both of you for stepping in for leaning in and and really doing this it's been it was lovely to to listen to and lovely to take part in this extra conversation i feel like we, i feel like it's a little bonus so <laughs> thank you thank you to both of you i think it will really help some people to you know kickstart themselves into this space so thank you so once again it's goodbye from the uk and just outside washington dc <laughs> <laughs> bye paul bye john bye Thank you for being with us. Until next time, it's your turn to ask the questions worth asking.